Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, sitting next to my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, the Packers are fresh off a 20-15 victory Sunday at Lambeau Field over the Washington Redskins. A lot of implications with this one. Green Bay gets to 10 wins, 10-3 and three now. Remaining one game ahead of the Minnesota Vikings in the race for the NFC North. The Vikings knocking off the Detroit Lions to get to 9-4. and four. The Packers also getting a little bit of help that they needed, primarily from the San Francisco 49ers, who win a shootout in the Superdome in New Orleans, 48-46. to 46. The implications there being, while San Francisco is now in the top spot in the NFC at 11-2, New Orleans is 10-3. Tied with the Packers, the Packers actually have one fewer conference loss than New Orleans. So if Green Bay can win its final three games, it will get a first-round bye, regardless of what happens in the NFC West. But here's the thing. There are a lot of questions right now because of how the Packers beat Washington if they are really capable of running the table against the three NFC North opponents coming up because there was a lot of dissatisfaction, I guess, maybe is the word, with the victory over Washington. How did you see it? Okay, so first and foremost, it was a difficult game to analyze because the Packers played that. That first quarter was picture-perfect, exactly what you wanted to see from them. Defensively, they forced three straight three-and-outs yeah. to start the game. three-and-outs, one after another. They didn't get a first down until they actually, I think it was a penalty that converted it for them. Yeah, in uh, the second quarter. Fackrell jumping off sides, and, and then, you know, that until then they had just been – you know, you, you know, offensively, we're not able to accomplish anything. Offensively for Green Bay, they get good field position after Tyler Irvin's first punt return, defense keeping Washington back, and they score points right away. They end up scoring two touchdowns the fifth time this season. They've scored 14 points in the opening quarter. Looks great. And then they just fall into this lull. The one phase that kind of stood up the entire time I thought was special teams. Yeah. It's one of the probably yeah. the better outings special teams has had. J.K. Scott was not quite where he was at the week before, but Mason Crosby made two important field goals. Tyler Irvin has four returns for 51 yards and no penalties for Sean Meninga's unit. A sterling job for 60 minutes. Offense and defensively, though, there were lulls. Uh, defensively, I thought for the most part they kept him off the board. They gave up some garbage points late. But Darius Geis started to get going. He had a big explosive play. They were able to dictate tempo a little bit more with the running game, which we were anticipating yeah. Washington was going to religiously do. Yeah, we knew Washington, even at 14 to nothing, just like the previous week in Carolina, Washington was not going to abandon the run. They were going to continue to pound the run. Packers caught a little bit of a break with Darius Geis going out with an injury, so then it all fell really on Adrian Peterson. But uh, but yes, Washington came into Lambeau to run the ball just as we anticipated. The the, the so uh, it's tough. The the tough part of this for me to break down is the offensive performance yeah. because you know I, I said this going into this thing. Washington's defense is not an embarrassment by any means. They're a good defense. Those weren't just hollow words. They have playmakers there. Unfortunately for them, Ryan Kerrigan gets injured again after he comes back, and he leaves with a calf injury. They, their two cornerbacks were banged up. But they were able to get Green Bay out of its offensive rhythm. And with the exception of Aaron Jones, who goes off for 192 total yards, they really were unable to recapture that. So that's the question they're going to face now all week long going against a Chicago Bears defense that's always been good and is now going to look to be back at the peak of their powers in this matchup on Sunday. Yeah. But all those things aside, 
it was the 10th win of the season. The Packers did exactly what you and I said they needed to do. They need to beat a statistically poor Giants team, and they need to beat a 3-9 and nine Washington team. They did that. You can't ask for much more. You could have beaten them 49 to nothing. You only still get one victory. So in a very tight and highly contested NFC right now with seven teams really duking it out, I mean, obviously somebody has to get in from the NFC East. This is <laughs> this is a scenario that you're in. You need to win the ball games, and the Packers accomplished that goal on Sunday. Yeah, I think the frustrating thing on the offensive side of the ball for the Packers is the opportunities they had, the field position they had. There were so many chances to score more points and to get yourself some separation right. here from Washington. I thought the key sequence, quite frankly, Wes, was at the end of the first half. Because the Packers had they they'd blown a couple of opportunities when they they had crossed midfield, but then stalled out, weren't able to get into field goal range. Late in the first half, about a minute left in the half, the Packers are inside the thirty yard line. They have first down at the Washington twenty seven. You have a fourteen to six lead at that point. You're looking at and the Packers are getting the ball coming out of halftime. So you're looking at you're feeling like at a minimum. The Packers are going to double up here and get either a field goal and a field goal or a touchdown and a field goal or maybe two touchdowns. You're looking at anywhere from 6 to 10 to 14 points potentially before Washington gets the ball back in the third quarter. But Aaron Rodgers gets hit with a strip sack, loses the ball, Washington recovers, and then coming out of halftime, the Packers do put a drive together, but they stall out and kick a field goal. So instead of getting 6 or 10 or 14, you get 3 right. out of those two possessions. Washington gets the ball back only down 17-6. to six. When they respond in the third quarter at one point with a field goal, it's 17-9, to nine, and you're still in a one-score game going into the fourth quarter when you had these opportunities yeah. to, uh, to stretch things out. It was a it was a maddening, frustrating game to watch offensively because of the position the Packers were in and the opportunities they were presented with. Personally, I, I guess it's one of those things. I just look at it as you know the NFL. This is a week to week thing. If the Packers yeah. had run up forty five points on Washington, yeah, everybody would be feeling better about themselves, but. If they do that against Washington, that still doesn't that doesn't say anything about what you're going to do in January. Yeah. I just don't believe that. I just believe every game in the NFL is its own single entity. And yes, the Packers didn't do everything they should have offensively to win this game against Washington, but they did enough because then they were able to put together a long seven and a half minute 14 play drive in the fourth quarter that finally tacked on some uh, some more points and got that two score lead restored yeah I mean well first and foremost this there's 32 teams in the league there's 16 games right now a week and very few times are you just going to have the team that's supposed to win just completely dominate you look at New England right now they have a lot of questions after losing to Kansas City Seattle lays an absolute egg in, Los in Angeles. LA yep and you know New Orleans ends up being outstruck outshot by San Francisco. So that's why the Packers are the number two seed right now if the playoffs started today. Yeah. And it's because they won their game, and those other teams didn't. And and that's kind of a, an easy answer to that, but it's the truth. I mean, you have to win what's in front of you. That's why the Green Bay Packers are in an interesting spot here with three games to go all against the division. Now, that being said, the one thing that I did take away from this game was something that you and I have been talking about for weeks now, and that's that it isn't always just one particular player. In this game, the Packers, after the first quarter, had a difficult time getting its pass game going. Yeah. So then Aaron Jones reemerges. Aaron Jones reemerges as a pass catcher. His 25-yard catch down the sideline, 
ended up keying that 14 play drive. That was the play of the game, I thought. Yeah. You're, you're, you're facing third and 14 from your own seven yard line with about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's a one score game. And the uh, 17 to nine at that point, if you don't convert there, you're looking at J.K. Scott punting the ball off the goal line yeah. and Washington uh, being down just eight points, getting the ball back with plenty of time. Yeah, and in the, this maturation of Aaron Jones as a pass catcher, you've seen it throughout the season, and even though he hadn't been a firm part of that game plan for a month now, or at least hadn't been able to get the ball in that capacity in a month, Aaron Rodgers had the confidence to go to him in a critical situation, and he rewarded him for it. It was a picture-perfect pass, but he needs to catch it. He needs to fall backwards. He needs to not drop it. He needs to make sure he doesn't double-clutch it, and he did that. And the one thing, and I tweeted this during the game, there's been highs and there have been lows this year for the Green Bay Packers offense. The one thing that has been consistent and has been a constant since the beginning and they are doing as well as I've ever seen during my eight years covering this thing their foreman and offense is really effective. When they know, when defenses know, okay, they're going to need to run the ball here, the Packers can do it. They weren't even always able to do that with Eddie Lacy when he was their running back, but they can accomplish it, and they can do it with both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. In this particular game, it was Aaron Jones' time, and he he came through in spades. I mean, This is a guy now that has reset every major statistical single-season record in his career, yeah. and there's still three games to go. Yeah. Um, well, quickly here, Wes. Select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering, or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. Yes, as you mentioned, Aaron Jones ended up with 192 yards from scrimmage, 134 on the ground, 58 through the air. Defensively, though, I wanted to revisit one thing also with regards to this game for the Packers. It was it was interesting because because there were a couple of moments when the defense got some key stops yeah. right around midfield when it looked like Washington was potentially pushing in a scoring range. They got Adrian Amos gets an interception right at the end of the first half. There's an early fourth quarter drive where Washington's right at midfield and the defense rises up and gets the stop. The funny thing is until the final drive of the game um, that made this went the score, sorry, the score went from 20 to nine to 20 to 15 prior to that, the only touchdown drive the Packers gave up was when they were put in the best possible yeah, field position. Right. They had them backed up on the five-yard right line. Right. The Washington comes running out with uh, with Peterson and Geis pounding away. They hit one big pass down the field once they got across midfield. They end up scoring that, but scoring on that one. But defensively, the Packers gave up one drive of significance, yeah. that being that 95-yard touchdown drive, one drive of significance in the first seven possessions for Washington. Considering everything we've been talking about with the Packers defense and the explosive plays it's given up and, and all of that, this was a this this was a pretty solid defensive effort, I thought. Um and yes, at the end of the game you don't like giving up a touchdown there, but you know, the Packers were in sort of that keep everything in front of you, tackle them, make the clock run, right. all that kind of stuff. I thought the Packers defensively played a really, really solid game, and frankly, if the offense had taken advantage of more of the situations, we would have been talking about this being a very complete victory for yeah. the Packers. Yeah, they largely did what they were supposed to do. In Tremont Williams, some of the guys lamented afterwards the fact that Washington was able to march down. They add some more points. Or add some more. You know, they did add more points, but they added some more yards to otherwise would have looked like a very dominant defensive day. Yeah, uh, and certainly that pa <clears throat> the pass that Dwayne Haskins made. 
to Terry McLaurin. I mean, that is a picture perfect. There's no way better in terms of a, a throw and a catch. Tremendous catch. That's going to make a lot of highlight reels. Tremendous catch by McLaurin there at the end of the game. The the thing that that stinks from a football purist perspective, it would have been nice if Darius Geis is still out there because I just he's such an exciting young player. Yeah. And I thought you started to see what he brings in this offense because. One of the reasons why, as good as Adrian Peterson still is at 34, you know what you're getting when he's in there. I mean, it's just going to be north and south running, just smashing the mouth, and they're hoping to get enough yards on first and second down to create third and manageables and to be able to keep the ball moving. When Geis was out there, though, there just wasn't that home run threat. And for the Packers, to their credit, I thought there was some really good uh, alterations and adjustments that Mike Pettin made going into this game. One of them was the big base package where they brought in Rashad Gary. He was actually a third outside linebacker along with the three defensive linemen. Yeah. They played with only one true cornerback. That was to match their six offensive line personnel from Washington. And guys tackled, guys stayed in the trenches. Kenny Clark had his best game, uh, statistically speaking, since week two uh, with the one and a half sacks. Adrian Amos, I thought, played a whale of a ball game, yep. an interception, a sack. <laughs> Blake Martinez was a few penalties and a few reverses away from having like two sacks and a uh, forced fumble, <laughs> but it didn't quite go his way. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought, yeah, overall, defensively, it was a solid performance. It just, from that first quarter, I mean, it looked like this could have been a historic performance. They just, you know, Washington eventually did start to move the ball a little bit. Yeah, and uh, um, it felt like, for the most part, the Packers stayed in control of this game. As I said, the offense not taking advantage of the opportunities that would have given the Packers more breathing room. But getting back to what you had said off the top, the special teams – Finding a punt return game, I tell you what, I know there was all this stuff, you know, minus eight punt return yards for the season through the first 12 games and all that. It was an ugly season statistic for the Packers. And Tyler Irvin wiped it out in yeah. one game. Four returns, 51 yards. He was a big reason that the Packers were starting a lot of drives at midfield. Um, you know, even if they're in between, say, the 35 and 40, that's still pretty good field position. But at midfield, you get a 10, 12-yard yeah. return. Um, that's even better. And what I thought, we talked about how the blocking needed to improve. And it definitely did improve because I know on at least one, if not two of those returns, the Packers were just single blocking the gunners yep. on the outside for Washington. And we've seen in the past where even double teaming the gunners, the Packers weren't able to get the job done and every punt was being fair caught. Even with the single blocking, the space was there for Irvin to get upfield right away, then try to make the first guy miss after the first few yards. And uh, for him to put up 51 punt return yards in four attempts, a huge change in how the Packers return game looks here now heading heading through December. I mean if the Packers actually can get their punt return game on a little bit of a, a you know streak here and get some momentum built up they're going to need to send a nice you know fruit bouquet to <laughs> Tress Way for being willing to punt to him in the middle of the field cuz I thought that was critical too. Yeah. Uh, Bill Huber uh, from SI Maven brought up a great point all week and I didn't realize I mean this is really goes to his uh, scouting of this game. I mean Tress Way punts to the middle of the field. He doesn't do any directional punting. And I yeah, think he, sw he swings away. He leads yeah. the league in gross punting average. It's all it's all about booming them and kicking them as far as you can. And uh, Irvin was able to get some returns off. Of yeah, that. and it's funny too because he's still up there in net yards too. It's just that if he gives up eight or nine yards, it's punted so far that it doesn't really throw that off. So uh, that being said, this was a game where I thought a couple times Way out punted his coverage, and especially when they had only the single blockers and. 
you look at it, Irvin was able to make plays. I mean, the other thing that just stands out to me, and it's no one's really going to talk about it because they don't need to, but punt return is a really difficult job, mm-hmm. and it's not glamorous. I mean, there's a reason why you see the fact that the guys that are really good at it in this league get rewarded financially with accolades, all that stuff, because it's just it's not an easy gig. The thing I like the most from Irvin, it didn't have anything to do with the 51 yards. It's just that he catches the ball really clean. He said he could still do it better, but, I mean, it's just catching a ball cleanly on a punt return is so critical because you have to be able to hit that first step right away, yeah. and you see that with Irvin. So you understand why the Packers took a liking to this guy. Now he needs to keep it going. It was just one game, but the fact that both of the Packers' touchdowns came off of returns from Irvin afterwards or beforehand that they went and scored, Yeah. Uh, it, that's that's a real testament to him, and it shows you, Michael, why it's so important to manage the field position in these games, especially late in these seasons when a lot of it, as much as made of points and yardage and production and takeaways, it's those hidden yards on the actual field position that sometimes can turn a game one way or another, especially when it gets close in the postseason. Well, I think what I like the most about Irvin is that his first step every time he caught the punt was forward. North, north and south. You know, he was yeah. he was just get, he was he was taking what was there immediately and you could see as he caught the ball there was all he had all the confidence in the world in how he was catching it yeah. and securing the ball. He's just getting upfield immediately and getting what is there and yeah, a 10-yard punt return and you know and we're you know we're obviously talking it up because the Packers just hadn't done anything like that all season long. But when you do it three or four times in a game, yeah, that adds up to some of those hidden yards. And just the fact that he's taking what was there, not trying to, you know, dodge three or four guys at the spot of the punt right. and then try to make something happen. Well, by then, everybody else is down there and you're pretty much a dead duck. So um, I just like the way he approached it. He got the yardage that was there. He helped out the Packers' field position game, and and I, I think this is going to be an important player here for the Packers down the stretch. And the Packers blocked it clean too. Yes. there were no there were no blocks in the back. There was no holding off the line of scrimmage. They just I, I think they haven't been rewarded with the big returns yet. But I thought over the last month you've seen them cut down on the mistakes and the mental errors and the things that really hurt you because you saw it happen to Washington in this game. Yeah. Washington had some kickoff returns brought back some yards because they just, you know, they had those penalties that just kind of really, you know, shoot you in the foot. So if they can get Irvin going here, we didn't get to see him on kickoff returns because they all got, they all were touchbacks well into the end zone. But Mason Crosby and J.K. Scott have had their moments this year. Crosby's been playing at a Pro Bowl level, but it's just the return unit has been the one that has just been lacking. Yeah. If you can bring that up here down the stretch, that is, I, I think that's really something that can give you some energy and some boost you know, on some of these offensive possessions. Yeah, well, we will uh, continue to review this game on tomorrow's show, but for now we do have to go. That's a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. Subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, and be sure to check out the Packers YouTube channel. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.